This Thacker Slate podcast is hosted by Connie Thacker and Allison Slate, two experienced attorneys who believe honesty, transparency, and knowledge are key to achieving the best legal outcomes. A variety of topics, particularly those related to sensitive family law matters, are candidly covered by Connie and Allison in a way that's refreshing, timely, and practical for listeners. I'm here with Allison today, and we're going to talk about uh, alternative dispute resolution. We hear a lot of that uh, terminology in the legal system of trying to settle cases outside of the court system. So today, we're going to talk to you about the three most common ADR methods, and those would include uh, collaborative law, which is statutory, and we'll talk about the details of that. And we're also going to talk about mediation and arbitration and what you should expect at all of those types of proceedings. They're all very different. And it's important for you to know the differences and then know what you can expect when you show up for one of those uh, proceedings. So let's just chit chat a little bit about collaborative and let everybody know how that process works. With collaborative divorce, uh, there's a lot involved. It is a statutory uh, form of uh, alternative dispute resolution. And what happens is there's a lot of people involved. There's going to be therapists involved. There's going to be financial counselors involved. There's going to be attorneys involved. And all of those people are going to help the parties come to an agreement uh, on all issues, including custody, parenting time, financial issues. And the intent, it's a long process, but the intent is that it's successful and you, you come to an agreement at the end. The problem with collaborative is that when you hire your attorney, and you start that process, it can be a very long road. And when you go down that road with that person and that person's in your life for a few months or even a year, uh, if you fail and collaborative doesn't work, you have to start over with a new attorney. You cannot retain the same attorney. So I think that uh, a lot of people want to see it as this great tool, but in in reality, it it may not be of benefit to the parties given that they have to switch attorneys. Yeah, and I think that's a really great point that you make too, because the cost factor, the public really doesn't take into consideration. The public hears all about collaborative and having uh, a divorce that's sort of a friendly process and we're not in court all the time and we're not in conflict. And they uh, sort of coin the term of the uh, conscious uncoupling, but the cost for collaborative can be very high as Allison was indicating Uh, because there are so many people involved. The other point too uh, for collaborative is you have to engage in the collaborative process prior to anybody filing a complaint for divorce. Once the complaint for divorce is filed, you're really out of the ballpark for collaborative unless you're going to dismiss your complaint Uh, and refile it. Also, uh, the lawyers have to be specifically trained in the collaborative process, and there's a training that the lawyers have to go through. We see some people who really want to do the collaborative law, but ultimately, lots of times we say to them, let's just do either pre-litigation mediation uh, so that you don't have to get another lawyer, or we explain to them the mediation process and what that looks like. Yeah, uh, the expense of collaborative is definitely uh, prohibitive to people exploring that process. But if we unpack it more, I mean, I I think on a very basic level, people don't really understand what mediation is. And in Michigan, every single case has to go through the mediation process. And a lot of people um, misconstrue that as the end of their case. I'm going to go to mediation and that's going to be the end. But in reality, mediation is simply a tool to try and get the two parties to agree. And what it looks like is this. You go to a conference room at any law firm in town. There's a person there called the mediator, and they're usually a family law trained attorney. 
And that person's sole job as a neutral party is to try and move both of you in one direction or another, depending on what the issues are. Um, you'll sit in a room with your attorney, or if you don't have an attorney, you'll sit in the room by yourself. And the other party will be in a separate room oftentimes. You can be in the same room. It's not common. Uh, certainly this process uh, takes its toll on parties. And so often that's not a, a, a viable option to have both parties in the same room. Yeah, and you should also know too that mediation is a non-binding process. So the mediator doesn't have the ability to tell everybody in the room how it's going to work out. The mediator, as Allison indicated, is trying to get you to come to resolution on your own. And mediation often happens in multiple sessions. We just don't go to one mediation. Sometimes we go to mediation early on and we still have a lot of discovery that needs to happen, but we need to work out a parenting time schedule or we need to work out a custody arrangement or we need to have an agreement on where the kids are going to go to school. And so you might see multiple sessions of the mediation. So always keep in mind, though, that it's not binding and it's generally a lawyer that we have and your case is not final. If you go to mediation, though, however, and you sign a document, you sign an agreement, that agreement is binding on you. So if you're going to go to mediation, make sure that you don't sign something that you're not in agreement with down to the last details, because once you sign that document, you're bound to it. Um, other than if we look at the other uh, third piece, which is arbitration, arbitration is very different than the two that we just talked about. Exactly. Arbitration works in a lot of the same ways that mediation works, but it's it's materially different from mediation because arbitration means that the person that you've selected, maybe as a mediator in the past, or maybe it's a new attorney, family law attorney, uh, that arbitrator has judicial decision-making authority. They become the judge. They start wearing that hat and they will make decisions. Now, arbitration is great because it can be inexpensive. Uh, trials are very, very costly. Trials can cost between $50,000 and $100,000. But in arbitration, we kind of peel that back and we, we make sure that there aren't boundaries to getting evidence in. We try to be more cost-effective and efficient. Uh, it's a lot uh, less time-consuming. The court's dockets are incredibly crowded uh, these days. And so with an arbitration, you can get in and have multiple days in a row where you've got the attention of your judicial making authority uh, so that you can actually get to the end of your case. Uh, if you go to trial, the odds of having multiple days in a row are, are slim to none. And oftentimes we're trying a case in winter that we're later trying in the spring that we're finally completing in the summer. Yeah, those are all very good points. And the thing that you should also know is the arbitrators have to be attorneys in good standing and have been licensed for five years and have uh, experience in the area of family law. The other big difference between going to trial and arbitration is there's no right of appeal. Uh, for the arbitration. So if you think you're going to want to appeal some issue, you're going to need to be in front of the judge because if you go to arbitration, there is no appeal. But we often tell our clients that generally we see that the Court of Appeals is going to uphold what the trial court did anyway, unless it's some egregious mistake. So going to arbitration is a lot quicker. It's a lot faster. Again, you're uh, oftentimes in separate rooms and the arbitrator will go back and forth uh, with you. But that arbitrator will actually issue an opinion opinion, which will become part of your judgment of divorce. I think the other thing that we should mention is that the court system is, is geared towards settlement. They want to get you into a process that may settle some of the issues of your case. So you may hear what's called a settlement conference, and that often occurs after mediation 
has already failed or there's still issues that remain. And I think a lot of the public's misconception is that the settlement conference is the day that their judgment will be entered. And in fact, that's not the case. It's just another opportunity for the court to get the two of you in a room and try to see what the issues are and how they might resolve. Yeah, so just to recap for everybody, collaborative is something that you do before the divorce case is settled. If you don't get it resolved, you're going to have to get a new attorney, and it's got some uh, pretty significant costs associated with it that the public really doesn't understand um, that's out there. Um, mediation is a non-binding process, uh, and if you're going to go to mediation and you sign something, you're going to be bound to it. And arbitration is a binding process, and the attorney who is the arbitrator for you essentially steps into the shoes of the judge. So that's just a summary and a recap of alternative dispute resolution in family law. Exactly. And I, I guess I should mention that Connie was named the uh, top collaborative attorney. Uh, what, what year was that? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we definitely do collaborative, although it's not our first recommendation. Absolutely. We do do it and we are trained for uh, collaboration and we try to make all of our cases as collaborative as possible. And sometimes that's not possible, but we have avenues for that as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Thacker Slate podcast. If you have additional questions, do not hesitate to contact us at 616-888-3810 or visit our website, thackerslate.com, for additional information. 